The message you're about to listen to is produced by CRIC Media. We are looking at the the purpose and the power of prophecy. We learned yesterday we are in the decade of the mouth. It's a decade of the prophetic. Because many things that have been spoken through the years, that looked as though they would never happen, this is when we will see them come to pass. When a season of prophetic fulfillment. We define prophecy, number one, as inspired utterance in a known language while speaking in tongues inspired utterance in an unknown language number two we define prophecy as speaking under the influence and the inspiration of the holy spirit number three prophecy is speaking the word of God under the inspiration or direction of the Holy Spirit. Number four, we say prophecy is saying what God is saying. And that's where we stopped yesterday. Number five, prophecy is giving voice to the word of God. Prophecy is giving voice to the word of God. Hallelujah. All right. The Bible itself is an inspired book. In other words, the Bible is God talking to us. The Bible is God talking to us. The Bible is a prophetic book. It is the voice of God captured in print. The Bible is the voice of God captured in print. And when you realize that the, the book Call the Bible. I want to encourage you, don't leave your Bible. Have your phones, have your devices, but make sure you have a Bible. I don't know when it will happen, but most of the nations of the world are aware of something that some evil people are planning where they will shut down setting of these things. I don't know when it will happen. But I know that somewhere in the future, they will experience it. And then, I hope that it will not be in our time. But make sure you have a paper Bible. Praise God. The Bible is the voice of God captured in print. In Second 
Timothy 3, verse 16, the Bible says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. Those men who pen down those words were the writers. Because the word here is Theonustus. God blew into them what they should write down. For instance, when you read the book of Matthew, you will notice that Matthew didn't write about his experience with the Holy Spirit. But he was already filled with the Holy Spirit. You see that? He wrote what the Holy Spirit inspired him to write. Mark didn't write about his infilling as well. Then had Luke. See? And even John said, if he wrote all the miracles Jesus did, there would have been no space for the books that will be written. That means Jesus was a walking miracle 24-7. He wrote what the Holy Spirit inspired him to write. That's why we say the Holy Spirit is the author. See, those men just wrote what he told them to write. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and he's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In 2 Peter 1 verse 20, the Bible says no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. You see that? Now give it to me in the message translation. I want to show them something there. It says the main thing to keep in mind is that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of private opinion. And we've heard people say um, these things, this person prophesied, prophesied from, no, 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 no. The Bible says no prophecy of scripture. See? No prophecy of scripture. The Spirit of God warned me about saying things. Because that's what we're taught. That this person said what he wanted to say. No. No prophecy of scripture. It's a matter of private opinion. Are you following me? So you need to have that. You know that when you're reading the prophecies, it's the way they were inspired to say it. If not, it will not say all scripture. Or every scripture is given by scripture. It will, say some, it will have said some of it. And it made me know if you start getting to a point where you accept some part of the scripture, very soon, there are certain things you see in your life. The word of God will not have final authority. It will lack the power to change you. If along your ministry, you see immorality. Because you've reduced the word of God to the word of man. Are you following me? All right, let's move on. Okay. We said the Bible is prophecy in print. When we speak the word of God, we are prophesying. Let's see Haggai 1, 1 to 3. 
Haggai 1, 1 to 3. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak. The high priest saying, Thus speaks the Holy, the, the Lord of hosts, saying, These people says the time has not come, the time that a lost house should be built. Then the word of God came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Then he began to prophesy. But look at verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheotel, the Joshua, the son of Josadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, I want to listen to this, obeyed what? The voice of the Lord their God. But it was Haggai who spoke. They obeyed the voice of the Lord their, their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God has sent him. And the people fear the presence of the Lord. So when you receive a message from God and you teach it or preach it, men will be hearing God talk to them. They obeyed the voice of the Lord. They didn't hear God. They heard the prophet. But because he was saying what he was sent to say, they heard God talk. You see that? So that's another dimension. Those of you who are in the ministry, or you're a leader, these things are important. So you listen to the Spirit. What, what does it want to go tell this person? Maybe you got to rebuke somebody. Listen. I was in Port Harcourt. And... Um, I don't know, I think this is even what I wore that day, that Friday morning before I went to change. And uh, I'd seen some ministers, and I came out, and I saw one of the sisters. And I got given her a word, and she fell under the power. Then I saw another one. They were about, some of the staff were there, and I saw one other one. And um, I just said something about the spirit. And she fell under the power, the two of them. See, if you speak what he's telling you to say, it's as though God himself said it. If you speak what God is telling you to say, it's as though God himself said it. Hallelujah. All right, what is the purpose of prophecy? Number one, to initiate divine activity. God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to the prophets, is to his servants, the prophets. See, so if God wants to do something, he gets someone to speak it into the earth. Amos 3 verse 7, please. Amos 3 verse 7. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. So, revelation precedes what? manifestation see it reveals it to the prophet so the prophet can proclaim it see because proclamation precedes manifestation so when the prophet speaks it God does it so when you hear a prophetic word you can tell what God is about to do you see that look at verse 8 verse 8 a lion has world who will not fear 
The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? See, one way God roars or speaks to circumstances, the line of the tribe of Judah speaks through us when we prophesy. Amen. You shall live and not die. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, Isaiah 44, 24 to 28. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, he who formed you from the womb. Did he form you from the womb? I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. Hallelujah. I like God when he brags. Next. Who frustrates the signs of the babblers and drives the viners mad? You know, there have been all kinds of prophecies about this stuff and um, they've been proven to be lies. See? He frustrates the signs of babblers and drives the vinous man who turns wise men backward and makes their knowledge foolishness. You saw yesterday he spoke about pestilences and in some translations removed it intentionally. Hallelujah. Something is coming to my spirit. Let me read some things to you. The book of Revelation. Don't be afraid of the book of Revelation. Don't be afraid. Revelation. Revelation. Chapter 6. Beginning from verse 1. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the, the, the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And then look and behold a white horse who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, I don't want to share what that means in this service, but look at number two. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out. That's communism. Communism was prophesied. I remember a prayer meeting in Kenya many years ago. They were praying. And while they were praying, they saw these horses, red horses coming towards Kenya. As they kept on praying and praying and exercising authority in prayer, the horses turned back. The fiery red horse is communism. It was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another and it was given to him a great sword. Communism has killed more people than you know in China, in Russia, North Korea.
And when he opened the third seal, I heard and the third living creature say, come and see. And I looked and behold, a black horse. And he who sat and had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. Do not have the oil and the wine. That's economic hardship. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the four living creatures saying, Come and see. And I looked at me, who the pale horse? The word there is chloros, a green horse. When the Islamic movement, so to say, of protest against governments began in Egypt, while they were protesting, a green horse was seen in the midst of the people. And it rose and flew. After that, as the crisis increased, a group called ISIS was born. And the name of him who, who sat on it was death. And Hades followed with him. This suggests to us that after the fourth horse, Hades followed. Hades is hell. And there was power given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with a sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. This thing moving around is the speed of death. But you are exempted. See, I read that for you to know that there's nothing happening in the earth God hasn't first given us hint of. Are you following me? All right. Let's move on. Isaiah 44. Verse 26. 26. Who confirms the word of his servants and performs the counsel of his messengers who says to Jerusalem you shall be inhabited to the city of Judah you shall be built and I will raise up her waste places. Next. Who says to the deep be dry and I will dry up your rivers. Next. Who says of Cyrus he is my shepherd, and he shall perform my pleasure. Saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. Think about it. Amazingly, I don't know whether it is appropriate to say, but I'll just put it, I'll not say everything, but it's a plan to build a third temple right now in Jerusalem.
They have built most of the things they would need for the temple. People have been trained. We're in the last days, brothers and sisters in Christ. Once that temple is built, the first person that will show up after the person the temple is built is the Antichrist. So when you watch some of these things on prophetic um, programs and you look at it like, hey, we are not joking here. We are really close. We are really close to the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you out there? That's down for the six, one to six. Is this helping anybody today? Hope it's not scaring you. Huh? All right. So, bell bows down, Nebo stoops. The idols were on the beast and on the cattle. Your carriages were heavily loaded, a burden to the weary beast. Next. They stooped, they bowed down together, they could not deliver the burden and have themselves gone into captivity. Speaking of those who worship idols. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been upheld by me from birth. Who have been carried from the womb. Say amen. Even to your old age. I am he. Even to the gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry you and will deliver you. Say amen. To whom will you liken me? And make me equal and compare me. To and that we should be alike. Next. The lavish gold of out of the bag, and the lavish gold out of the bag and weighs silver and scales. They hire goldsmith, and he makes it a, a god. They prostrate themselves. Yes, they worship. Next, they bear it on the shoulder. They carry it and set it in its place, and 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 it stands from its place. It shall not move. Though one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer nor save out of out of of its trouble. Next, remember this. And show yourselves men. Recall to mind, oh you transgressors, talk to those idol worshippers. Next. Remember the former things of old. For I am God. And there's no order. I am God and there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, things that are not yet done. Say my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He says, look at your idols. What? What can they say? Hallelujah. You may be seated, please. Think of them prophesying about the birth of um, Cyrus at 45. Look at this. He wasn't even born. And they said his name. He wasn't even born. Thus says the Lord to his anointed. The man didn't exist. To Cyrus, whose right hand I have held. You see, God calls those things that people as though they were. To subdue nations before him. To lose the armor of kings. 
to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the correct places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bands of iron. I will give the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. And Jacob, for Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called you by your name. I have surnamed you, though you have not known me. It was even, the man didn't exist. I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will guard you, though you have not known me. That they may know from the rising of, of the sun, that's the east, to its setting to the west, there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no order. Hallelujah. Are you out there? Praise God. Think about it. So when God wants to do something, he speaks it. That's the purpose of prophecy. So let's say you're praying and you hear God talking to you, my son. I'm going to increase you more and more and bless you and give you wisdom. That's what he will do. Number two, prophecy is given to prepare or forewarn us. In Genesis 6, 5 to 22, God spoke about the flood that was coming because of the evil of man. And he gave it to forewarn and Noah preached and nobody believed him. Because it had never rained before then. All that used to happen, a mist to come from the earth and make it moist. No rain. And someone's telling you that there's going to be rain. And there's been, never been rain. And it's building a boat on dry land. You know, this guy is crazy, no? And guess what? It rained. He forewarned them. See, he prepared them. He says, prepare your ark, an ark for your family. See, prophecy prepares you. See, he told us that many of the evil diseases are still coming in these last days. Ladies of the church stay taking communion and in our homes take communion. By the grace of God, my family and I took communion this morning. Yesterday morning, see, if I wonders, hallelujah. Look at Luke 21 25. So, prophecy comes to for one, and there will be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations. With perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring next. Men's heart failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Next. Then they will see the Son of Man coming with a cloud. With power and what? And great glory. He forewarns us. That's one. He forewarns us. Look at Luke 21, reading from verse Seven, I don't want to read everything because we read it yesterday. So I want to pick a few parts of it. I want to read 10 to 11. It says, Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places. Just go online and tap um, how many earthquakes uh, taking place in a day. 
figures to start coming out. The ones they report are the ones over five, six, and seven. Earthquakes are just taking place in various places. But they cannot report all of them. It's too much news. And famines. Some places, no rain. Their earth is so caked. Doesn't seem water for years. And pestilences. We heard of SARS, Ebola, the bubonic plague earlier in the turn of the century, in the uh, 20th century. That took place in South Africa. Pestilences. And you saw it in the Amplified yesterday. Show us in the Amplified. It says there'll be mighty and violent earthquakes and in, and in various places, famines and pestilent plagues, malignant and contagious or infectious epidemic diseases which are deadly and devastating. How can, how can translations take that out of the Bible? That's why I've always been in love of the King James. I use those words once in a while. But because... And there will be signs of terror and great signs from heaven. There are a lot of things... If you pay attention to the, to the, to the skies, a lot of things you will see. Some scary sights. They're just preparing people that, hey, this is the end. This is the end. Let me give you a, a very encouraging one. Let me just read from verse 12. But before all these things... They will lay their hands on you and persecute you. Before these things started happening, they persecuted the disciples. I hope you know that. It says, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and they did it to them. You before for kings and rulers of my name's sake. It happened to Paul. It will turn out for your for you as an occasion for testimony. King Africa said, Agrippa said, You almost persuaded me to become a Christian in Acts 26. Therefore, set it in your hearts not to meditate before on what you will answer, for I will give you a mount and a wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and, and friends, and they'll put some of you to death. It happened. But watch this. And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. Do you see that? Then, in the midst of all these pestilences, so not a hair of your head shall be lost. He says, it's going to happen, that's going to happen, that's going to happen. Hey, but relax. Not a single hair. Tell anybody, no fear here. Yeah, no fear here. Not a hair of your head will be lost. Verse 19. By your patience, what do you say? Possess your souls. Be at rest. Be at rest. Don't let it, don't let it threaten you. Be at rest. Be at rest. Hallelujah. All right. Look at Acts 
chapter 11, 27 to 30. God gives us prophecy to prepare or forewarn us. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Next. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit. Say by the Spirit. That there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world. Jesus presided the famine. He's the last word. Agabus came and said this was going to happen. Which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Next. Then the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren in Judea. Verse 30. This they, they also did and sent it by their hands to the elders, by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So it prepared them. If the famine is coming, let's send to those of us in need. Acts 27, verse 9 to 12. Acts 27, 9 to 12. Acts 27, 9. Now when much time had been spent and selling was now dangerous because the fast was already over. That's the day of atonement fast. Paul advised them. Next. Saying, men, I perceive that this voyage would end with disaster. And much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. He's warning them. You can be warned by the prophetic. Man, I perceive that this, this voyage, this journey will end with disaster. And much was not only the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Next. Nevertheless, the continuum was more persuaded by the hands man and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. Next. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority, you see that? So now you listen to the experts. And the majority advised to sail from there also. If my enemies, they could reach Phoenix. A harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. And you know the story. There was disaster. Sometimes we like listening to the experts, not to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you, don't do this. Stay away from so-and-so. And you're wondering, why should I stay away? He's warning you. Hallelujah. Those things are very important. When you're going to rent a house, listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. There's nobody that has died in a plane crash and you won't hear that they were troubled at first, that they, they, maybe they shouldn't go, maybe they shouldn't go, but they chose to go. A man of God was troubled all night not to go for a flight, not to go for a trip, and um, he was troubled, but he went and he died. A good man. People were angry that why did God allow that to happen and all that and all that. And about a year later, the wife spoke to a man of God. He was asking her and he said, see, the truth is that that morning, my husband knew you must not travel. 
Do you follow that inner warnings? That inner warnings. It won't force you. But at the end, you will see it. Say this way will end with much disaster. It's the end you will see. At the end, it will speak. Whether you heard or not, it's at the end. At the beginning, you have all your reasons why it will work. If God won't argue with you, say, go on. It's when you get to the end, you re- my Lord, my- what have I done? Too late. You're in it. You've invested your money in the business. Hallelujah. God forewarns us. He forewarns us. See, these men listen to the experts and the majority. Number three, why does God give us prophecy? To inspire hope. Prophecy inspires hope. It gives you a hope for the future. In Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3, Now the Lord has said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Next. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Three. I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Hope. There's a future for you, Abram. Yeah, your wife is barren, but there's a future for you. Prophecy gives hope. See, because a prophecy can be a promise of hope. You got a word from God. You got a word from God. It gives you hope. See, look at... um, Jeremiah 29, and let's begin from verse 10. Read verse 10 to 12. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon. Now God says, you will be carried into Babylon for 70 years. It was the pronouncement of the consequence of their sin. So they're going to be there for 70 years. Then he says, after so many years I come to Babylon, I'll visit you and perform my good word toward you and I'll cause you to return to this place. Next, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you what? A future and what? And a hope. See, prophecy gives you hope. After so many years, this will come back. Praise God. Verse 12. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you, verse 13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You see that? So when when prophecies are given, it's to give you hope. Because there's some of you, maybe for instance, you're believing God to get married, you're not married yet, and it's been as we're singing a long time. Keep your focus on the promise God gave you, the word God gave you. See? Stop looking at the circumstances. Look at the word. It inspires hope. Look at um, Genesis 15, 1 to 6. 